Welcome to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. The energy of the dark feminine is rising. Are you ready to reclaim your power? Understand the power of the dark mother of creation in astrology, Lilith. It's time for the world to recognize the power of dark feminine energy and how you can use it to heal, transform, and create the magic in your own life. Hello, 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 hello. I am so excited to uh, finally come out of the woodwork and come out of hiatus with this podcast and really get things going. My name is Adama, and this is the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. So I hope you checked out the first episode, which I actually posted. I'm going to talk a little bit about just like the timing I was going through and the reason for this hiatus. And we'll get into some announcements and I'll get into what's on deck with the podcast episode for today. So when I launched this podcast, it was around July of last year. It was literally a year ago. And this is right before I went into discussion and contracts for my book proposal and my book deal that I now have. So this is before that. And I went into this with the intention. I would have time to do this. I'm ready. And of course, the universe is like, we got we got some things here for you. And my life just became so, so, so busy. I had to put this podcast on the back burner, even though I love to get on and talk and talk. Yeah, I can talk forever. Um, I had to kind of put things on the back burner until I really sorted out this new project with my current offerings and everything and figuring out a great way to balance all of that. So yes, yes, literally, I started this podcast, we relaunched Black Moon Lilith Collective, or actually, we launched it, we, we started it. And basically, the book deal came along in August, it was around after I launched the community. And it was around August. And I had the podcast going. And then it talks with the book deal, all of that. And I had a lot of columns going on. I had just so much other work going on. And I, I was just ramping up Black Moon Little Collective as well. So that's the big reason why I pushed this podcast. And so I signed the book deal. And the book is called, It's a, this is a tentative title, so it could change, but it's called Black Moon Lilith Rising. So this is going over Black Moon Lilith through all of the 12 houses, the signs, and how to integrate that knowledge in your own birth chart. It's so exciting. I'm like, I'm deep into the process right now. And which is why I don't post on social media as much as I used to, but I'm getting back into a rhythm, getting back into a cadence now. And on top of the book, we also have an Oracle deck. So I actually just finished the manuscript and handed that in for the Oracle deck and I should be getting back my edits. It's so much fun to share the process with you guys, um, but I should be getting back those edits on the full moon of Sagittarius, just so funny. So in a couple of days and that's going to continue in process. So there is an Oracle deck, a Black Moon Lilith rising oracle deck so this is going to be oh my god i'm so excited i don't i don't even know if i can really share i'm gonna wait a little bit i'm gonna wait a little bit keep listening because i'm gonna share as we get get through the process i'll share what's what the details that i can share i'm not sure if i can share this but it's it's gonna be so cool you guys it's so 
fucking cool. Um, I'm so proud of, especially the deck. Like the book is is like its own thing, and the deck are, is its own thing. But it's gonna be fantastic. There's gonna be nothing like it, and it's going to be an oracle deck based on astrology, alchemy, and Black Moon Lilith. So this is gonna be a shadow work tool. And not just a tarot deck, but an oracle deck. So this is different from tarot. Um, so this is going to be coming out fall 2023, both tentative date as well, both projects. So this has really been taking up a lot of my time. Like, listen, y'all, it's it's a lot to write a book, okay? Much less two at the same time. So, well, book in the deck at the same time. And I'm loving every minute of it. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. The publisher is Hay House. I'm like so grateful to Hay, Hay House as well. They're fantastic to work with. I love the team and I love the collaboration that we're having. So that is, that's going on right now. So I really wanted to explain that so y'all can kind of get a gist of where I am. Um, and you know, I've, I've really also redefined my definition of work as well. So on top of having all of this, I really redefined it and, and restructured it to put my well-being and self-care first, and then understanding how to prioritize certain things. So those have been top, top priority. Another reason why the podcast fell away for a little while. And then also keeping up with Black Moon Lilith Collective, my community. So let's get into some announcements. Actually, this is a great segue because I want to talk about it. But Black Moon Lilith Collective is my community. And I'm so excited. This is my beloved tribe. I call them the tribe. <laughs> Black Moon Lilith Collective is reopening for enrollment. And this only happens once a year. So we... Opened it last July, book deal came along, and that was priority as well as as writing these manuscripts. And now we're opening it again, July 23rd of this year. So I'm so grateful for the tribe members that have been along for such a transformative ride this past year. And this is a highly exclusive membership that is only available once. And... In the past, I've sold different offers on my Lilith Magic shop separately, and like I would sell some of the programs. Not all. There's a lot of content on Black Moon Collective that is not, has not been offered to outside people, but I've decided to close the Lilith Magic shop until we have book merchandise and only offer those things there, but the community is where you are going to be able to see all of my premium content, my videos, horoscopes shows. We have contributors. Uh, most recently, we had Stephanie Powell. She's fantastic. She runs her own astrological practice as well as shadow work, Reiki, energy healing. She just did a workshop for the collective. And I also had an amazing tarot reader and author, Rashonda Tramble from Stay Woke Tarot. She's also going to be on Black and Lilith Rising podcast. So listen up for the next episode. But she also just did a major arcana tarot workshop to take everyone through what it means so you can understand your tarot readings on a deeper level. So things like that. And I plus I have my shadow work program. I have meditations. We have energy healing. We have um, breath work. There's so many different things that I offer all year long. And it's for one amazing annual price. So it's literally $365 for one year. And it's a dollar a day. That literally is what it equates to. And you it's just chocked full of 
great spiritual values. So if something, if Black Moon Lilith is something that you want to integrate into your life, if astrology is, if shadow work, the esoteric arts, and transforming your life through understanding who you truly are and releasing that for the world to see. If you're interested in that and diving deeper, check out our waiting list at Black Moon Lilith Collective. So this is going to be available on lilithastrology.com, black slash Black Moon Lilith Collective. You, you also hand to the, you could also head to the homepage and you can shop that there. Just fill in your name and you get a free gift if you sign up for the waiting list as well. So definitely check that out. And <clears throat> this is so exciting. So let me actually go over what Black Moon Lilith Collective is. So this is my exclusive online streaming platform. This is dedicated to empowering and elevating the collective through astrology, alchemy, and the esoteric arts. So this features in-depth video, horoscopes, community, workshops, and more. So this dives deeper than your typical astrology app. So if you're somebody that wants to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, like whatever level you want to understand astrology this is if you really want to dive deeper than just reading a quick horoscope every day or every month. This is for people that really want to take a dive into it. And it also spans across other modalities as well with other practitioners, like I said. So we dive deeper. And this is if you really love Lilith Astrology and you want the exclusive content. So join the waiting list. And I have special guests on the show today. Laura Chung and Brittany Simone Anderson, creators of the podcast, The Work, which raises awareness of BIPOC experiences in the spiritual community. So I'm so excited for that conversation. So let's hop into it. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about something I think is so important about Black Moon Lilith. And that is understanding how Black Moon Lilith plays a major role in relationships in your life. And even if Black Moon Lilith is not in, say, the seventh house of relationships for you or Black Moon Lilith in Libra, it still can provide intel and basically a guide of shadow work for power struggles in your life. And a lot of the time, regardless, power struggles can really be harmful to the interpersonal relationships you have with other people. And this is across the board. This can be with work. This can be with friendship. This can be with love. This can just be when you are navigating your day. So when you experience Black Moon Lilith, a lot of the time, regardless of where it's happening in your chart or what sign it's in, it can be an experience with another person because Black Moon Lilith is all about power struggles. So... The archetype of Lilith. So I want you to go back to the first episode of this podcast if you haven't listened to it, because that will take you into the archetype of Lilith and what that means and provide a nice foundation for what I'm going to talk about here. So I won't dive too far into what Lilith means here. I encourage you to go watch or listen to that first. But here I'm going to talk about the archetype of the story of Adam and Lilith and how that plays a part in the energy of Black Moon Lilith as a placement. So briefly in astrology, I'll give you some brief background as to what an archetype is and what this means. 
in astrology, we assign the planets, the position of the pl the the points, excuse me, the um, the signs. We assign them archetypes, and so archetypes are basically stories, facets of life, ways of being, and they're a, a guide for descriptions of energies within the universe that lie in all things. So just like the esoteric belief that the universe is a reflection of us and the cosmos then reflects that back to us and all we are, including animals and nature, plants, all, all of us are our source that has dispersed itself in the cosmos and now is reflecting itself. So archetypes are all a part of the universe. They're just different facets of the universe. And so we assign archetypes to characters, mythical goddesses, gods, stories, ancient stories. And the wisdom of these archetypes are baked within these ancient stories. So we can say like the Bible is mythology. We can say that biblical stories were created to then teach something or share the wisdom of an archetype or a facet of source consciousness of the universe. So, and, and there are tons of, of holy scripts and mystical texts. For me, there's the emerald, emerald tablets or the Corpus Hermeticum, and this is the basis for alchemy and astrology, honestly, and teaches about the science of these things. And so these are ancient texts that teach us through archetypes, that teach us through allegory and comparing these stories to how you can navigate your own reality. So we have these archetypes embedded into astrology to explain how signs move, how planets move, the energies, how they vibrate, and how they manifest here on Earth. So an action, a thought, a belief, all of those are vibrations that are making up the reality around us. And when you understand the science of astrology, you understand vibration and how it practically manifests here on earth. So for instance, the vibration of Libra, since we're talking about relationships today, the vibration of Libra is about balance. It's about harmony. It's about equality. It's about the balance between one thing and the other. So that's Libra's vibration. That's, that's his vibrational code. So when you understand the vibration of that specific sign, then when you see it within the chart or you see it within a astrological placement, you can understand how it ticks and how it will manifest. So that's a brief description of archetypes. And we are going to start off with the archetype of Lilith and Adam. So we're on a little archetype tangent, but I thought we needed to talk about that. So you can understand how important archetypes are to astrology. Because once you understand the archetypes of all the signs the, and, and understand the, the planets and you can, you understand astrology and you can really read a chart. So understanding the archetype of Lilith and Adam is understanding relationships. They were the first man and woman in a relationship, but then butting heads in a power struggle and dealing with themes like dominance, control, suppression, and demonization. So when a story like that, 
this is this is embedded into the human consciousness. This is a part of source. When a story like that is told, it can either be taken literally as if these were real people or where do these themes play out in my own life? So that's the thing with archetypes is you can understand where those same things, where that same dynamic in the story of Adam and Lilith plays out in your own life. So it's not like you're going to be Adam and Lilith. It's say you have Black Moon Lilith in Libra in the seventh house of relationships. You will experience those type of power struggles in your relationships, especially when it comes to the balance and equality within it. So this is what Lilith energy holds when it comes to relationships. So yes, Venus is the goddess of relationships, right? Venus is known for that in astrology and understanding your Venus is extremely, extremely important. But Black Moon Lilith, depending on how it's placed, but across the board can also help you understand the darkness and heal the darkness within relationships. So Venus is the nice light side. And I'm not saying Venus can't be dark. We have Venus and Scorpio, which can be very challenging to navigate. But this is understanding more of the enjoyable or what you like or what's pleasurable. Black and Lilith can really help you understand the shadows, what is holding you back from the relationship dynamics that you want, from who you want to attract into your life. And this can be across the board because relationships is not just about love. It plays out in, in our life, in our work, in our friendships with family members. And Black and Lilith can show you the shadow that's holding you back from what you truly want and desire in your relationships. So I wanted to get a little personal, a little, I wanted to get pretty personal on this episode and talk a little bit about my own relationships in the past in terms of family and generational, you could say generational curse or generational trauma and how I've used Black Moon Lilith to heal that in my, in my life. So this we're going to talk about, we're going to dive deep into this. And I hope that this can help you guys understand where black and how black moon Lilith can truly help you in your own life and take a look at where you have this in your chart. So for me, and this is what really drew me to understand more about Lilith in my own chart is, is the story of Lilith is just so prevalent in my family and in my background. So dealing with my own chart and working with Black Moon Lilith truly helped me ascend and heal past generational trauma around relationships that I, 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 I knew I had, but I didn't really understand it until, and, and I really wasn't able to move past it until I really read into my Black Moon Lilith. And then also, you know, I've got Pluto in, in the fourth with, you know, I've got a lot going on in, in that department. And this truly helped me so that I could attract better relationships in my own life in present day. So in my own family, divorce, infidelity, um, all of this power struggles is a prominent theme throughout 
both sides of my family. And looking at Black Moon Lilith helped me to reflect on how think those things may be playing out in my own life and what I need to heal and move away from to have the healthy relationships that I know I want and deserve. So this is this is going back generations. I would say I know about up to three generations back where divorce, infidelity, power struggles was a theme in my family. So, and a lot of you, especially black women, a lot of you I'm sure can relate to this. There's so many statistics in our own community about uh, single mothers and black women being, it's more of a matriarch and black women taking the reins in a lot of areas of their own life. And of course, I'm not going to get into the, the strong black woman trope this episode. <laughs> I'm actually going to do that in another episode, but this is something that was ingrained into me when it, and when it comes to relationships or dealing with others is to be that strong black woman. And so, right, there's nothing wrong with that, but it also can be very harmful. Um, that, that's, that's an expectation for you. So having all of that relationship karma for myself that I sifted through, really facing that shadow and seeing like, I don't want to repeat the same things as, as what's done in my family line and in my ancestry. I want to rewrite the story. I want to change this. I want to change these beliefs. I want to alchemize that shadow with Black Moon Lilith of that strong Black woman that, that need to defend and that need to... Um, basically take care of yourself and not be able to rely on anyone else having to alchemize and shift. That was the healthiest thing that I did when working with my black and Lilith. So I wanted to get a little personal and share with you just some of the themes that can play out with your Black Moon Lilith and how unpacking those those stories or unpacking the past can really help you move forward and really help you with understanding what to move away from or what to say no to or what to walk away from. I can't tell you how many clients who've come to me about relationship advice. And a lot of it is them trying to change the other person instead of flipping it around and leading their own relationship life with how can I heal the trauma that's holding me back? Or how can I say yes to myself first and the things that I truly want and have trust and faith that the right person will be a match to that. A lot of them, a lot, a lot of my beloved clients are trying to change other people. And so that's the thing astrology can do for us is it's flipping everything back inside so that you can reflect internally. So that's my own experience with healing my own relationship karma with family patterns and generational trauma and black moon Lilith really helped me understand that that existed. And so that's the shadow work is understanding that, okay, this exists. And maybe this is why I've had certain blocks with, with this relationship or with this other relationship in my life. If I can change that story and rewrite that story, I will start to attract in people that are aligned and on that same vibration. So I want to talk a bit about the astrology with relationships and Black Moon Lilith. So, so you can look up your Black Moon Lilith for free on Astro Theme. If you'd like, you can book a reading and I can chat with you more about Black Moon Lilith. But check out where yours is because then that can, that can show you how 
and if Black Moon Lilith pays a role in your relationship. So Black Moon Lilith, the astrology of this in relationships. First placement I want to talk about is Black Moon Lilith in the seventh house or making aspects to a planet that's in the seventh house. So the seventh house is the place of relationships in astrology. This is interpersonal connection. This is love. This is marriage. This is deep bonds. This can describe the, the romantic partner or serious relationships that you'll have in your life. And it doesn't mean that person will be that sign, but they can have and exude that, that same energy. Um, this is also what describes contracts and agreements. So this is the relationship house. So if you have Black Moon Lilith here, or if you have another planet like the sun or moon or any of the planets forming a connection, especially if it's a square or if it's an opposition, forming a connection with Black Moon Lilith, this will come out in your relationships with other people. And it's definitely something to look into in terms of power struggles, feeling suppressed by others, not understanding um, how to feel self-empowered in relationships with other people. That can come up with Black Moon Lilith in those areas or if there is a planet aspecting it. So Black Moon Lilith in Libra is also important to mention because that is when Black Moon Lilith is in the sign of Libra. So Libra represents relationships. It's, it's agreements. It's the balance between those. It's justice. It's equality. And Libras seek themselves through other people sometimes. So when you have Black Moon Lilith in Libra, you can experience that karma. You can experience those power struggles and challenges within your relationships. A famous Black Moon Lilith in Libra is Kim Kardashian, who's literally been in the news recently for her relationship. She's constantly in the news in terms of her relationships. And it's just, it's Libra also is, is beauty and um, clothing and aesthetics. So, I mean, she's the quintessential Libra and Black Moon Lilith in Libra. So that's an example of Black Moon Lilith in Libra, but that is another placement that you can experience Black Moon Lilith in your relationships. And also if Black Moon Lilith is forming aspects with Venus, so the goddess of love, Venus, can show you uh, some shadow side when making aspects, forming a connection with Black Moon Lilith. So these are a few of the astrological placements or aspects you can experience when Black Moon Lilith is a, is a prominent theme in your relationships. And so I want to now go into... Some of the details of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. And I've been waiting to talk about this for some time. I I, I was going to do some TikToks. I was going to talk about it. But I was like, you know what? I really want to wait until there's an actual verdict. Because I believe everyone should, has a right to be heard. And I want to hear things. And I want to see things. And understand what actually went on before really and analyzing the chart, because that'll just give us more intel, more insight in an accurate way. Instead of me trying to project my ideas and my thoughts, I want to just give it to you straight and give you the astrology. So basically, here's a rundown of the timeline with their relationship. So 
here's a little background in case anyone, if, if any of you are listening, you have not heard about this. I'm sure you have, but Johnny Depp, famous actor and his ex-wife, Amber Heard, who's also a famous actor are in a defamation lawsuit, which actually just ended on May 27th around. Um, and it started April 12th. And basically this was Johnny Depp suing Amber Heard for $50 million because of a op-ed that she wrote in the Washington Post. And this op-ed claimed she was the victim and survivor of abuse. Didn't mention his name, but as a result, he lost a lot of work and lost money. And he says that this is simply not true. And so he sued her and this took place in DC, Virginia area. Cause I, my assumption, none of, neither of them are from there, but because the piece was written there, I think that that's why. So the timeline of the relationship, they met in 2009 on the set of the rum diaries, but they started dating 2012 because he was still with Vanessa Paradis, his wife partner, who he has two children with. I think they're together for like 10, 20 years. Don't quote me on that. I'm not either 10 years or 20 years one of the two it might i think it might be 20 years because the children are older so because like lily depp i think is literally like she's like in her 20s so they have two kids and so they let they ended their relationship and so he got with amber heard in 2012 um and so then they were engaged by 2014 married in 2015 in 2016 amber heard files for divorce from Johnny Depp with re restraining order alleging abuse. So there was a lot that went on in the relationship. And so then after the divorce, she writes the op-ed. And so that leads to the case that we are in now. So, so I watched, I watched a number of the trial. It, so basically for those that don't know, they live streamed the whole thing for the internet. And I think that it was because Johnny Depp really wanted the truth. Like he really wanted the truth to, to be told and he wanted it to be public. And so I think, and I actually did watch on, this is all from like court TV that live, the legal live stream. Um, I promise I was watching this because of astrological research, but they basically, um, they live streamed the whole thing. And it was like a court TV, law TV sort of thing. And so basically I listened to it and listened to both sides. I didn't make every single show or live stream, but all in all, there was a lot of, there was so much mental, physical abuse going on Amber from Amber's side. And, you know, there was, a, it's like, there was like back and forth. It just seemed like a very toxic relationship all around. Um, but basically from the testimony, most of what she said was untrue. So that is what has been decided in a court of law. He gets 10 million and she got, got 2 million. And it said that his lawyer defamed her. So that's why she got the 2 million. So basically this is like a big legal mess. So, and neither one of them got the money that was originally there so that was on the table so basically this yeah this was black moon lilith taking the stand essentially so i'm gonna go over the charts 
and I'm actually going to share my screen. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. If you, if you're listening to this on podcasts, you can just pop in and listen because I will explain. So I'm going to first go over Johnny Depp's chart. So Johnny Depp is a Gemini. So it's Gemini season and Gemini represents the truth and communication. Gemini is all about, and it's, it's, it's uh, different sides of the truth. Also, it's not just, it's not straight truth. It's like different. It's a duality of the truth. It's how the, the, whatever you believe to be true, that's Gemini energy. So Johnny Depp is a Gemini and he is going through it right now. Um, and, and now that this is over, he really went through a lot during Gemini season. And so he's born June 9th, 1963. And so the big thing that I really got from watching some of this trial was him describing the relationship with his mother. So Johnny Depp, he grew up, he he's from Kentucky, grew up in Florida and like, seemed like he moved around and he was from, he was just, was from the South. And it was really interesting how he became an actor he li he literally moved to LA for music and then a friend was going to audition. So then he tagged along and it just kind of snowballed from there. So it was a very natural thing that happened for him, even though he wanted to be a musician first, but he grew up in a family where his mother was extremely abusive so much that he said his father walked out and left eventually because it got so bad. And of course, the astrologer in me pulled out my chart at that moment and paused it. And I was like, we got to look at the fourth house. And lo and behold, he, right, literally conjunct his IC, which is a very, very important part of the chart. This is the um, this is the cusp of the fourth house. So this represents things like ancestry, emotions. This is your home. This is your private world. Very, very powerful part of the chart. And who's there? Black Moon Lilith in Scorpio. Fourth house also, and, and the IC can represent the mother as well. It can sometimes represent the father. The IC is, is, can be the mother or father, and the MC, it's interchangeable depending on the person. But for him, the mother, this is the mother here. So Black Moon Lilith in Scorpio, this is crisis regarding the mother, regarding home, violence, trauma. And right there as well, we've got Neptune retrograde in Scorpio. So we've got Neptune retrograde in Scorpio, literally only a few degrees away at 13 degrees. Also, this is so, he went through a lot of emotional turmoil in his home growing up and Neptune. Let's talk about Neptune. Neptune. Yes. This is the mythical God of the ocean and the sea. I mean, this could explain also why he owns a yacht. He owns a, a boat, but Neptune in Scorpio retrograde can also represent things like addiction to be able to handle and deal with emotional problems. So one thing that did come out for me in the trial, like even though you know, he basically won. He did display a lot of um, addictive symptoms. And I'm not, I'm not a counselor. I'm not, a, you know, registered in this. So 
trigger warning and also like you know I, i'm i'm giving my opinion on this my perspective well, he was displaying a lot of attributes of that they were having a lot of drunken fights they were doing a lot of different narcotics and drugs and things like that and i'm not shaming that i'm just saying this is literally what this means so this is how someone copes with the things that with the trauma that they dealt with in their life and amber was triggering a lot of that in him and we're going to get to their sinistry soon so but this is how black men can help you in your relationships if he knew that and he he would be aware we would have been aware like okay i think this person this is triggering this part of my life and i need to get out or i need to make a change um but this is what this indicates so that's where his black woman Lilith is. And this is a very accurate chart. It gets a great rating online. Um, so unfortunately, Amber Heard's, I didn't have the birth time. It was only the uh, birthday. But there are a lot of things we can get from that. So I still want to take a look. So on top of all of this, he's going through the eclipse season, which is in Scorpio and Taurus, y'all. He's literally having eclipses, which we just had the first Scorpio eclipse just this past Scorpio season, right in the middle of the trial. <clears throat> we went through that. And this is shining a light on all of this. So he had to, to discuss. He was literally, this is like, we never get this much intel on, on celebrity charts. So this is why I'm analyzing this. He literally was going into depth into his childhood and his family life and his mother, his abusive mother, and what he had to deal with there and how she triggered a lot of that. It's right here in his chart. So this is huge in Johnny Depp's chart. And you can see the semi-square, which is a very uncomfortable positioning with his son, Gemini son. And his Gemini son is in the 11th house. So this is the public, the media, this is the press, this is the internet. So during Gemini season, he was on stage talking about this, giving the truth about this to the public to essentially get his career back. So another aspect I want to talk about in his chart that is so on point is in opposition to Scorpio is Taurus. And we've been having eclipses here as well, too shining a light this clip season lines up completely with this trial for them and so he has his midheaven in taurus and this represents his career this represents his life purpose how the public sees him this is his profession and he's an artist he's he has venus in taurus he's he literally is that's what he's known for venus in its home sign of taurus he has a beautiful venus in taurus and mercury this is why he has so much luck in his career and why he is such a profound artist and a very famous actor is this placement but he's having eclipses here to reveal things in the area of his career and you know what else Taurus is all about, especially Venus and Taurus, money. So there's there's material worth involved in this whole eclipse cycle and in this whole scenario for him. Coins, finances. So this is literally what is trigger, being triggered here. And so we also have Mercury here as well. Mercury also represents things like documents. This is like 
writing. This is communication. And what did Amber write? An article. Mercury rules literally <laughs> writing articles. So it's all up in his chart. It's all up in here. And he's got Venus here. Venus rules over relationships. Venus and Taurus. So he he can attract beautiful women. Obviously, Kate Moss was an ex. Winona Ryder, Vanessa Paradis, beautiful, talented, artistic women. That's who he attracts. He's got Venus and Taurus. And they usually work in the area of what he does. And now he, he has Amber Heard. So Amber, she's beautiful. She's in the arts. She's an actress. She's an artist herself. Writes an article about him. And this is what sets, this is what destroys his career. And so now he he's getting the truth revealed. So this is really, Black Moon Lilith is really at play during this. So that's really my read on this whole trial with Johnny Depp. The eclipses really played a huge part. And actually, before I, I get off of his chart and go on to Amber's, one more thing as well. Um, so let's mention that he does have a Leo rising. So the sun rules his chart. So the sun is so important. He's Gemini sun. This is him. So basically during Gemini season, the truth was revealed for him to the public. And he also has the moon in Capricorn. This also goes along with moon and debility. The moon can also represent the relationship with the mother. It of course depends on other things within the chart, but he's got the moon square Jupiter. And he's got Jupiter in Aries in the ninth. And where's Jupiter? He's in his Jupiter return. Jupiter is in Aries right now. Right now we've got Jupiter in Aries. So he's having his Jupiter return on top of it. And he won the case essentially. So not only that, Venus is in Taurus right now. So he's having his Venus return during the trial. And he's having his Jupiter return. So if I was looking at his chart, all in all, I would have said, I mean, this is now after the fact. And I just, I really didn't want to do any predictions on this one because, yeah, it just, I just didn't. I just didn't feel like it was appropriate. But he he had luck on his side during this trial with Venus at home and Jupiter in his ninth house. Um, he may even write a book about it. This is the area of publishing. But either way, this is this is definitely all up in his chart. So these are some of the factors I want to talk about with Johnny. All right, so we're going to now talk about Amber Heard's chart and how this relates to the trial and how Black Moon Lilith, this is just all over this trial. So where is Amber Heard's Black Moon Lilith? In Taurus. So she's having eclipses on her Black Moon Lilith. And also she has Venus in Taurus. It's her Venus return as well. So her and Johnny have the same Venus sign. And so her, not only is Johnny Depp's Black Moon Lilith getting activated and Neptune and Venus, but her Black Moon Lilith is getting activated with Venus and her sun. So when you have eclipses on your sun, it's like let, your life will not look the same after and she's had a very rough eclipse season. I really must say that. And all this Taurus energy is in opposition to Pluto in Scorpio. So Pluto, the planet of transformation, crisis, power struggles, abuse, is retrograde 
in opposition to all of this. So this is what is getting activated for her during the eclipse cycle that we are having. So eclipse has played a huge part in this trial and we're all over her black, they're both of their black moon Lilith and Venus and Taurus. And we also have her nodes. So she's a moon in Libra and she also has the South node at a critical degree at 29 degrees with Libra and Aries. So when this happens, there can be a lot of power struggles and difficulty within your relationships. This is a big life lesson to understand how to navigate relationships. She talked about her family trauma she dealt with and, and the abuse she put up with in her own family life. And this is in her chart as well and can indicate that. So releasing old patterns, inherited patterns, family patterns around relationships is a big part of her chart and definitely playing a part in that, in that trial. So another thing as well that I do want to point out before we move on is we had Mercury retrograde. So Mercury retrograde also was a big, big trigger during this trial. And Mercury was retrograde in both Aries and Taurus. And this was her Mercury return as well. So there was a lot at stake that was triggering her chart. So I want to talk a bit about their synastry. So synastry and astrology is understanding their compatibility. And this is just a basic synastry that I'm going to do. But let's talk about Johnny Depp to Amber Heard since we have the most accurate birth time. And we can we can see how his chart is laid out a little bit more um, in comparison to hers. So let's state the obvious connections here. Johnny Depp, her son is literally conjunct his midheaven. And what did we say the midheaven was? The mother, the father, the family. So Amber definitely was triggering his mother wounds, his family wounds that he dealt with growing up. And he literally stated on the trial. Her Pluto is also in opposition to her son in Scorpio. So this is really triggering his area of home and his area of family. And it's a big karmic placement. So this was definitely a meant to be. This is, this is what we call a faded relationship. You can just see it here. So another thing that is very interesting about their charts is her Chiron in Gemini is forming a connection with his son in Gemini in the area of the 11th house. So the internet and social networking groups, the public, this is him. So she heard his reputation. This is all about reputation. And this is what happened in the relationship. And her Jupiter is also in his eighth house. So the eighth house represents shared resources, debts, loans, investments. Um, and it can also represent like things like uh, inheritances as well. His Chiron is there. So her Jupiter, this is a positive Jupiter to have. Like she actually has a lot of luck with accumulating wealth. But she is she is actually expanding his Chiron that's in that area of life. So he can experience some loss. So he had to pay her divorce settlement. 
he had to pay her money. But then things got the tables turned when he then she defamed him. So she expanded that loss in that area of his life. But then he was able to gain some redemption during this time. So that also is a big part in their sinistry. But in terms of the attraction, so he talked about how, how he was attracted to her. I definitely think that since it was like such instant attraction, he felt the sun and Pluto, the sun Pluto here definitely is part of that, but the Venus connection here. So they have the same Venus sign literally right on top of each other. And his Mercury is there as well. Very, this is like instant attraction here and they meet at work and this is in his 10th house of career. He literally met, met at work. And her black moon Lilith is there and literally forming a connection with his Venus. So her black moon Lilith is triggering that shadow he has, that unchecked shadow in his relationships. And, so, and for her specifically, that's what happened. Like you can be in other relationships and they don't trigger certain things, but maybe then be with someone else and they can trigger these things. And you can really see that in the charts. So Super, super, super interesting. Um, and let me just talk about Black Moon Lilith and Taurus as well. So Black Moon Lilith and Taurus is all about the shadow with your value. So one thing that, and, and money and material worth when it comes to, in relationships, when it comes to all of those things, there's a shadow around that. And a lot of the time you can cause your own undoing. And, and I'm not blaming Amber Heard for things, like things happen, court cases happen. This is why I wanted to wait until the trial was said and done with. But based on the intel, based on the official trial, she did not win this case. And basically loss is losing a lot. She's losing a lot in terms of her career. And I mean, there's articles being written about what it means for survivors. In my opinion, I think that everyone should be listened to regardless of what happened with one celebrity. I, I don't understand how this this will be bad for victims and survivors of domestic abuse that we should continue on as normal because, and, and really help people who have been through these things. So that's something I've been reading a lot about, but it seems like her reputation and value is now it's coming under fire because of this. So this is just black women Lilith can really bring up power struggles and difficulties in those areas of your life. Demonization as well. Now she's heavily being demonized as well It's very polarizing opinions about this. So that also can come around with black women Lilith energy. Um, so this is a faded connection and we can see that in their charts. So I really wanted to talk about the trial I really want to talk about their charts because this is a big example for how Black Moon Lilith can really play a role in your relationships and it can really help you navigate the power struggles and challenges you can you can feel and have within your relationships. So if you're interested in knowing more about your Black Moon Lilith, I am offering sessions. My bookings are open. I book video calls on intro and you can find out this information on lilithastrology.com. Click on consultations at the top. And I also do Q&A services at Hey Hero. So you submit a question. So you can ask about your Black Moon Lilith. And I send you back a video response. So those are all available on the website. If you want to dive deeper into what Black Moon Lilith can mean for your relationships. 
So now we are going to get into our special guests in the next portion of the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. Today, we have Brittany Simone Anderson and Laura Chung from the podcast, The Work. I'm so excited to have them on. This is a really important conversation. And The Work is a podcast that is talking about social justice, equality, and meshing it with spiritual topics. In each episode, Britt and Laura interview thought leaders, healers, scholars, and change makers to share their wisdom, education, and use storytelling to raise awareness around the everyday harm placed on the BIPOC communities and underestimated people. With this awareness, we are better equipped to inspire change and collective evolution. The goal of the work is to create a safe space to express and share thoughts that will expand the hearts and minds of the listeners. And welcome to Black Wealth Rising. Thank you. Yay. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So exciting. So I love the theme of your podcast and I really love the message because I believe that this isn't something that is really talked about in the spiritual community. I know Laura, I've I've known Laura for a few years now and we connected through uh, her sister, literally, (laughs) and my sorority sister. And I'm so happy to meet you, Brittany. And it's just, it was really challenging for me entering into the spiritual space. I'm a professional astrologer and realizing that I would still have to deal with like race shit. (laughs) I curse on this podcast, so just to preface, (laughs) feel free to do that. But I didn't realize like, oh, I'm like entering into, you know, spiritual space. And this is like, you know, kumbaya and all that stuff. And I still had to deal with um, some of the microaggressions and and certain things that come up when I would be in basically all white spaces with other astrologers um, or going to events or joining communities and noticing there were certain things going on. And I just thought it was really interesting, especially during 2020, there was such a resurgence of (laughs) people talking about spiritual justice. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that right now, but we're always talking about it here. So my first question is what sparked you to start the work? And like, what's your mission behind it? Either one of you can answer. <laughs> uh, I'll go. Um, so, you know, Laura and I um, have been in the same communities for a little bit. I guess not too long, but we really started spending time um, in a couple of communities. And within those communities, specifically in that time during 2020, when when the Black Lives Matter movement began to get a bit louder and people started to collectively take note, um, of the harm placed on black body folks and and really what anti-blackness was uh, or is, um, we noticed that within these communities that that were supposed to be safe spaces, that were thought to be spiritual, that were supposed to be enlightened and aware, um, that there was a lot of bypassing, a lot of um, harm, a lot of ignoring what is, a lot of skipping over the 3D to hop to the 5D by um, erasing the BIPOC, uh, BIPOC experience. And we were really bothered and we were harmed in that process. And so uh, we decided to remove ourselves from these groups and create a safe mm-hmm. space to discuss it because in these spaces, in these groups, when we did try and have uh, a real discussion around this and call in uh, some of these people and some of these groups, we were met with, um, with boundaries and 
all lives matter and uh, you're being divisive and uh, unity consciousness is like Laura's favorite, you know, and, and which is, by the way, misuse of that term, but we'll, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. But, um, you know, there was just, Laura and I decided to take our collective harm and trauma and pain and create a mm -hmm. safe space to, to, to digest that and, and, and transmute that and, and welcome in the people that are ready to learn and explore and really create the reality that we all want. Yeah, I noticed a lot of that too. The uh, 3D to 5D <laughs> jargon that we, we all hear about and the, the, the glossing over of our experiences as black people, brown people, indigenous people. It's just, it, it is really, it's disheartening to hear that sometimes. What about you, Laura? I think what really sparked my own anger about that whole time period was when I would notice people with large followings on Instagram and spiritual, I, I put that in quotes because now it's like, what does spiritual even mean? Right. Um, not even give space to have these conversations and not even acknowledge that this is happening, but completely bypass it and say things like you're creating further division and all lives matter and we're all one and we're all the same. And it really showed me the lack of understanding of what spirituality really means. And most, for most people of color, actually I would say all people of color, we turn to spirituality and wellness to help alleviate the symptoms of colonialism and capitalism. And so I just felt like, you know, I'm an Aries. <laughs> um, I have yes. a lot of placements um, and I have Lilith on my ascendant in Sagittarius. So yeah. I'm just super fiery and angry. Um, but like I I need to channel that anger into something creative. So mm -hmm. like Brittany said, we would just have these conversations on a daily basis. Like, can you believe that she, you know? And I said, this isn't helpful. We need to have open conversations with people who are willing to change and listen. So that's why it's in a yeah. podcast format. And we're moving forward now to having more open conversations with more people and not just us and the guests. So stay tuned for that. Right. Ooh, it's like a, a forum, like a clubhouse kind of vibe. Like we're, we're, we're trying to think of different ideas and formats, but more like a circle kind of environment. And this could be like virtually and in person where we invite people to listen and also engage in the conversation. Got it. Do you feel that you've attracted, because what I've noticed in my life as a black woman, like a lot of the conversations about race we'll be having with ourselves, <laughs> that kind of, it, a lot of the time we'll be like, you know, we'll, we'll hype each other up or we'll, I'll go to certain events or we'll do certain things. And it's a lot of brown, black people there. But like, do you feel like you are attracting and reaching across the aisle to like involve other people who may want to learn about this, but they don't know and they want to educate themselves. Yes, actually. And we have a couple of white bodied women on our podcast and oh, I've, right. spoken okay. to, I've spoken to on my other podcast, I've spoken to, Oh my gosh, white cisgendered men <laughs> who get it. Wow. You know, there are, they are out there. And I think that there um, are, yeah. I think that from my work as a 
Asian woman was to do my own work of healing my own internalized um, like colonization and racism to transmute that anger so that when I do speak to white bodied folks, it's just not violent all the time. (laughs) (laughs) You better do this. Hey, listen, I know about about the Lilith, so. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. So what are, what are both of your backgrounds? Your. I mean, I'm, I'm in wellness. Um, I was, and for quite a a long time, I was a yoga teacher in the New York, Manhattan space. Um, But at this point, I'm a wellness educator. I'm a sound practitioner. Um, I'm a yoga therapy candidate, specifically working with communities in cancer care. Um, I'm a true multi-hyphenate. I've got more hyphenates here. Um, I am a DI expert. I am um, a big support to my partner's company. I am all the things, lots of hats. Yes. Are you a Gemini or what's your sign? <laughs> oh, no. My sister's a Gemini. I'm a Pisces. I've got Pisces. all the Oh, feelings. immutable still. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of feelings. Oh. Laura has uh, really helped me figure out my chart. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and Laura, you're an Aries, correct? I am an Aries and a Sag rising with an Aquarian moon. Um, so fire and air. Yes. I have a lot of fire and air. And I need I need Earth to ground me. <laughs> um, yeah. When you said background, you mean like your like background in terms of career or your ancestral background? You could do both. Oh wow! Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Britt, do you want to finish answering the question? Well, yes. Now that there's another layer to it that I didn't notice. Um, yeah. So my sister actually did a 23andMe, which was incredibly helpful for me with connecting with who I am. Um, So my ancestry consists of Nigeria, Ivory Coast. Um, Those are the two dominant. And then there's a bunch of like little places sprinkled in that you wouldn't expect and that I don't necessarily connect with. But we'll just go with Ivory Coast um, and Mali also. Ivory Coast, Mali and Nigeria. And are you American? Born in America? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Laura? I am of Korean lineage, 99% East Asian. <laughs> wow. And I'm American, born in New York. And my background, I had a lot of um, different uh, careers. I worked in finance in Manhattan. I worked in startups. Um, I had a I had my first turn in entrepreneurship back in 2000 and I would say 11. I, my dream was to be Anthony Bourdain, like travel the world and take photographs and write about it, but kind of got sidetracked, not sidetracked, but went into healing and discovered my um, ancestral roots and connected with that and the spiritual practices of my indigeneity. And now I am, um, I guess multidisciplinary and healer, um, and podcast host and um, badass bitch. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Miss Fire. I love it. 
I just like love like I, that's the thing is is we're all just so multidimensional as humans like I have like a million dashes trust me mm-hmm. so and I think that's the time we're moving into like into this Aquarian age and this more it's this age of of individuality so it's less about like I have this one job for 50 years and this is it and we're we're going to work nine to six like we're really heading into yes. an age where everyone is just a lot of different things and jacks of all trades so I think that also really aligns with, I think like the intention of the spiritual community with the whole like 5D movement and Ascension movement is, I think they have can have good intentions, but I think what gets lost is that race is such a big um, stain on the human condition. Like it's, it's what will continually divide us unless it's literally called out and mentioned. So I think, like since a lot, like a majority in America of the spiritual community online and, and the practitioners that are popping up are white. When you have white privilege, you don't know these things that are going on. And it's it's also your trauma as a, as a white person in this country um, of being indoctrinated into the system. So there's patterns that you need to also kind of shift as well. So have you noticed like when you have brought up these topics with people in your community, has there been like backlash or have you, has there been like a warm reception to it? (laughs) Warm reception. (laughs) Like, oh, well, we, okay. We can like think of a different perspective. Like, okay, yeah, we are all one, but there's a lot of shit going on until we get there. So we gotta like solve the shit going on. Like we can't just say we're all one and pretend it doesn't exist. Like. You know what I thought of when you said that was the phrase that that people say, it's like, you think you're enlightened, go spend time with your family. I would counter, you think you're enlightened, let's talk about race. You know, like it's it's one of those things where um, many people are taught to ignore. And so when they're asked to deal with it and deal with their relationship with it and deal with the ways with which they are imperfect and um, the ways with which they are potentially at fault, and I use those words carefully, but um, in the ways with which they'll have to change, they'll have to um, give up some of their privilege and their positioning, it's terrifying. And so, mm-hmm. and and I do, a part of me empathizes with that. I mean, you have to grow up and change, but like, I do empathize with the fear of of losing all that is normal to you, right? and what that could possibly mean. And because it's so scary, they're unable to see beyond the fear and they're unable to see that the world that they, that they think that they live in could actually be that world if they let go of the fear. Um, Warm reception, no, but maybe soon, (laughs) fingers crossed. Well, you're always welcome here. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's like just a lack of education, obviously, because there's this African proverb that I'm totally going to get wrong, but it basically says that if you only heard the hunter's story, you will never hear the lions. Meaning like if we only hear one side of the story, which for most of us in the globe, it's the white man's story, then you'll never know people of color story. And and so the t- history that we were taught was very much in the lens of the colonizer, right? Like, and when you understand the story in that, in that context, 
the people that are involved in that story are seen as savages, as uncivilized, as poor. Meanwhile, in our in our understanding of our own history and our ancestors, we were survivors. We have rich cultures. We are abundant. It was only the abundant and rich cultures that they felt the need to colonize. So it's just mm -hmm. like this misunderstanding of both sides. Why, why do white people feel like they don't have an attachment to their ancestry or their identity? Because their own spiritual practices, their own identities were taken from them. And so when you don't have, mm. when you have no base chakra, like safety, and you're constantly seeking and you're constantly searching, when you find a spiritual practice that makes you feel whole and loving because we're wired for love and community, then that's when like appropriation, that's when colonization happens. Oh, yeah. It's like a misunderstanding of like why people do the things that they do. It's interesting you bring up appropriation because that, it's 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 rampant. Um, oh my god! I guess like, what are your like thoughts, feelings, emotions on it? it I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, I, I'll let I'll let you all <laughs> do this, talk about it. <laughs> like, like not appropriation. What are you like? What's my question? It's like, how can you, okay? How about this? It's like, how can someone who is not from a culture? go about learning more about a culture's spiritual practices or becoming a practitioner of it? Or what are like your recommendations for someone who is not part of that culture to adopt in a respectful way? Wow, so I just had, I actually just um, shared a recent story that happened to me and Britt knows it because I was just so upset about it. I shared it on my, Awaken and Align podcast where I had a guest on that I ended up deciding not to air because she's a white person. Um, and most of the flowers that she extracts for her business is from Asia. And right. this happened the same day that that Korean woman was killed in Manhattan. Um, and so I was already very sensitive and I already felt like super triggered. but. Um, I had asked her, in what ways are you, and the name of her business is Chinese. So I, the, mm. I asked five questions. I said, first, are you Asian? Second, in what ways do you give reciprocity and acknowledgement to the teachers and the land and the people that you extract mm -hmm. from? Because it's, it's literally extraction. Like you are taking something and you benefit and you create, um, a business that you thrive on and also how are you bringing awareness to these the people that are being harmed and because it's not just the plants and the land it's the people that are associated with because it's all wellness is an energetic ecosystem right so if they cannot answer those questions then they need to do the work and understand like why are they using these plants, spiritual practices, mantras, like what do you, what is your intention and how are you giving back to the land and the people? That's, that's, that's so asking. true. And if you can't answer that, then like, you're not going to be on my podcast. I'm not going to buy your products and bye. <laughs> that is so true. I've never thought about that. Like literally, like, I, I mean, I, I just know 
that this happens all the time. And I never, like, I've always like thought like, mm, that's a little, you know, close to, you know, the, the source here, but I just kind of like went on my merry way. But I just like, I think that's so profound where it's like, you should be giving back to the people that you're taking from. It's basically like colonization where you're like, oh, this is a great thing. <laughs> Let me take it and then like make more money, you know, make more money than the people themselves. So that's profound. What about you, Brittany? Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. And it's something that I'm really chewing through um, for several reasons. And one is that firstly, anyone can appropriate. And yeah. uh, coming to that understanding has been um, really beautiful and eye-opening for me. Uh, mm -hmm. We're all a work in progress, but as someone who taught, you know, classical yoga for quite some time, well, that's not true, not mm. classical yoga, actually modernized, westernized, bastardized yoga for quite some time. Right. But, uh, you know, I live in a, in, a, in a body that many would say, well, it's okay because she's of color, but, and we can look back and say, well, yoga comes from Kemet and all these things. But what we do know is that the practice of yoga that, that we practice now comes from Indian traditions and in those communities or South Asian uh, traditions in general. And we know that those mm. communities are harmed over and over again um, and definitely aren't benefiting from the bastardization of, of their practice and, and their yeah. lineage. Um, and so that is a palpable reason why I stepped away from teaching yoga asana um, in that way, because it, it, in some way that's me perpetuating harm while reminding others to not appropriate um, and the other, the other side of that is that within the practice of appropriation, and I look at it like a practice, whether people are intentional about it or not, mm -hmm. um, is that there is a hierarchy that makes it exponentially more damaging. Um, and the hierarchy exists within uh, where the dominant culture obviously holds the, the greatest power. So mm -hmm. we look at white bodied people who, um, practice or or um, capitalize on many different cultures who they are disconnected from, who they were the land they've never visited, or the people they do not know, uh, were with the people with whom their ancestors potentially caused harm to. I mean, it's so deep. To me, the ways around it would be to, um, first of all, become aware of um, what we're doing and how we're perpetuating harm. Um, and I do want to acknowledge also that the human experience will always create harm. And that's just a part of our condition in this lifetime that we live. But um, but become aware of, of the communities that um, whose lineages we're practicing. I believe in giving back, but I don't believe that there is reciprocity when there is a hierarchy it will never yeah. necessarily be reciprocal. And so we talk about, I hear mm -hmm. a lot of, of cultural appreciation, which always kind of rubs me the wrong way because I feel like yeah. that's a, a something that people say to make themselves feel better um, rather mm -hmm. than really looking into how they're practicing, what they're practicing and, and the communities that are affected uh, negatively by their choice to, to practice. I mean, you can never do mm -hmm. anything and, and someone else not be affected. You can't buy an avocado, as we know, and not be affected by it, right? You buy an avocado from Mexico, even if it's organic, you're contributing to the avocado cartels. 
Like this is just, yeah. so how do you make choices that are not harmful? And, and a part of it is becoming cognizant of your position within the hierarchy and yes, giving back, but also maybe taking a step back from, from um, capitalizing and capitalizing looks like finances, but it also looks like limelight. And so if you're standing in the light and you're holding the mic, can you share the mic, pass the mic? Can you somehow even the playing field? And I don't know the answers to that. We're in a really yeah. precarious position right now. Yeah, and I, th I think also appropriation just happens not only in spirituality, but it's like a it's it's aesthetics. Right. I mean, like I don't have braids right now, but a lot of the time I'll have them, and then that that's appropriated. Like five years ago, people were calling you know you like savage and all kinds of stuff for having them. Then now you want them. Like there's a whole plethora of things that happen across all cultures. And so I definitely think like your guys' solutions are a great way to start. I think passing the mic is a great way to start. I know that there's been a lot on social media about white TikTokers and, and Instagrammers taking from POC people and then getting that fame recognition, but not passing the mic <laughs> at all. So I, I feel like it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's getting more and more rampant, I think, with the internet. So I think those are all really practical tools for people to kind of check themselves when they're like, oh, I really like this. This is cool. Let me do this now. It's like, why don't you take a minute <laughs> and take a look at the background of what this person's doing or where they're from or just take a minute and pause before just get jumping on a bandwagon. So I definitely think those are all really um, great ways that people can kind of like check themselves with appropriation. Um, so in terms of like serious discussion, do you feel like this has helped catalyze that within the community and you've, you've maybe changed the minds of people who normally wouldn't have thought about this? Yeah. I think Laura's thinking yeah. about who I'm thinking about. There is, um, oh. there are a few people within the community that first, uh, sparked, um, conversation between, between Laura and myself about this specific thing. And over the past few months, I at least I have noticed um, a huge difference in 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 how they communicate and how they move through the world. And I think there's mm. still so much work to be done. It's like overwhelming, but uh, and also oh, yeah. I am I am really being I'm moved and and excited and hopeful, and I can see the shift. And and Laura and I, I mean, the, we are all. But I can feel that together as Laura and I co-create the work podcast and, and these these discussions, we're shaking it up. We're, we're giving people a space to, to feel safe enough to ask the uncomfortable questions and also to really reflect and be imperfect and mess up, but come back. And so I feel like there's change. It's, I feel really good. I'm yeah. excited. What about you, Laura? Yeah, I think also because... Brittany is a DEI expert and we're both healers and I'm, uh, we're both trauma informed and I've read tons of books about trauma, just going through my own. Mm -hmm. And so our work, our work and the work podcast and how we present this information is with the intention of love and holding a sacred container. Because when you are speaking to somebody Already, it's such a heightened and pol polarized topic that the minute you say the word white, people like white people be like, ah! 
really? I'm like, yo, yo, you are white. Like, and it's like, wild. oh, they're starting to shut down. And so yeah. we ha- we understood that we're not going to be like the conspirituality podcast. We're not going to be like those podcasts that are calling out white people. It's more about calling in and, and being like, hey, did you ever consider this? And mm-hmm. we recently had our last guest on the last um, season was an astrologer. And she was just talking about the Pluto return and how it really is our moment of shadow work, our deep collective shadow work as a nation. And just looking at how the United States was founded, it wasn't founded in a nice space. It was it was <laughs> genocide and it was um, it was it's things that we have to reconcile with. And so when people understand the history and like why why we are at this space and also what we need to do, it just makes it more like at an intellectual space, like we get it, but then we're healers. So we help people move it out through our body because trauma is in the body. So it's all yeah. about everything, a holistic approach. Wow. Yeah. Say- the Pluto return is, is wild. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, I want to say, say this also, because I, I love that, that, Laura brought up the history of of this nation that we live in in the U.S., but really of the world, you know, and it's a um, a history of like of murder and theft and harm. Um, it keeps coming to me this example and or this comparison, which is when we look at um, at the state of the world now, the state of our planet, and uh, how the Earth's ecosystems are shattering, and we're potentially in a yeah. our sixth mass extinction, right? Because of global warming and climate change and human intervention. And and we all know that no matter what, in order to make it better, we have to do something, even though we weren't, the generations that are uh, within our age group now didn't enact the laws or didn't um, support the legislation that's in, that allowed these things to happen. We didn't do it, right? This, this is the work of our grandfathers mm-hmm. and our great-grandfathers that have co- caused this planet to be where it is right now and we still have to fix it to me the comparison with systemic oppression and racism and colonization exists the same it doesn't really matter that you yourself didn't do it it doesn't really matter that my friends uh didn't do it they didn't cause they didn't they didn't set up these systems it's still causing the world to fall apart so we all have to work together to change it and i just want to encourage that reminder or that comparison because it's not about blame, it's about fixing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in order to, to integrate your shadow, you have to really like face it, right? Like you have to be like, this is what happened. This is yeah. literally what happened. There's so many people that think our our past is prideful. Like yeah. the, the founding fathers and no. the July <laughs> and like white, red, white, and blue and mm-hmm. America, like all the, it's, it's, <laughs> There's different perspectives on, on the path. <laughs> so it's like, you can't do shadow work if you're living in a, a different reality, right? So yeah. I think I think conversations that you're having and, and speaking about it is is the best way to start shifting people's consciousness for sure. But so going I definitely think to, this works. Sorry, sorry, I'm gonna talk to you, but um, no going back to what we were talking about with like the fifth dimension and I always ask Brittany, like, if people are truly spiritual and they're doing the work, what the heck are they doing? Because any spiritual <laughs> practice, even astrology, talks about the light and the dark and having yeah. to go the shadow. So if you're not yeah. 
accepting what is and like being in reality because we are 3d beings mind body and soul then like what are you practicing like what are you actually doing are you yeah. just like, setting off into the astral realms like yeah that's, that's what I, i'm confused about like if you are an astrologer like where in your work do you incorporate the shadow well, that's that's also not a it's not a popular topic. I may talk about it all the time, but it's not it's not a popular topic, honey. It's sunshine and rainbows is the popular topic, or if it's compatible with who? Nobody's doing shadow work over except here, here. That's it. <laughs> like literally, but it's it's. I mean, astrology is a tool for healing, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, which we talk about all the time. But it, yeah, it's a tool for healing. So part of healing is recognizing. The shadow and what went on in our country and honestly the world colonialism at the hands of the crown essentially mm -hmm. and the monarchy of britain white people yeah. that has basically played a part in destroying the in the everything that we everything. are are experiencing right now so yeah it's it's people recognizing the truth um i'm so happy that you you both exist and are doing this work <laughs> and it's 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 not frustrating. I don't know the word to, to describe it, but for me, I think growing up and in this body, I just get like, I kind of get frustrated when it's like all I ever see is is POC and, and people of color, honestly, a lot of women doing this. And it's like, we already have to deal with a lot of shit anyway. You both have to deal with already like existing. And on top of it now, you have to now really like champion this. And I know, you know, it's it's great, but it's like, what would you tell like white people that are listening to like help with this cause? Cause I, I feel like all I ever see really are people of color doing it. So, and, and we already have to deal with the harm already. So it's like, we then have to educate on top of it. So like, what are some things that white people can do to actually be allies and help with what we're, what we're doing? I think first and foremost, develop resilience. I think there isn't enough resiliency. I think that the, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not an option for most yeah. of us, for the global majority. So, and I say this with love, suck it up. <laughs> you know, like suck it yeah. up. We're tired. We are beyond tired. We're a level of tired. Our ancestors are tired. Like, yeah, you don't know tired. Like build resiliency because that's the only way to save the planet. You get, you get the teeniest of breaks, but the people that have been toiling in the sun, it's really our time to rest. So my first and foremost with love, toughen up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Actually, I was trying to look up who coined the term white fragility because- Oh, it's a book. Um, but I think it was coined by a white person because- Oh, really? I, okay. that, I feel like that is another fallacy with whiteness there's nothing fragile about whiteness you hold the privilege you hold all the power like perceived and non-perceived you know like there's nothing there's nothing fragile about holding the different intersections of privilege and how politics and laws and and you know schooling districts and zones and and real estate they all benefit white bodied people so to me there's nothing mm -hmm. fragile about that um and I would have to say to white bodied folks and white passing folks who are listening to this, it's that colonization and whiteness also is harmful to you. 
because you yeah. and your lineage has also been colonized and also you've been stripped of your own identity. And so for such a long time, and, and I can speak for a lot of my fellow Korean Americans is we were meant to feel like we were less than, and that we were, you know, like, you know, less than because, but we're the global yeah. majority, which Br Brittany always reminds me, we're the global majority. And um, yeah, I know where my lineage is. I know where my family's from and it's very strong and we're a communal uh, collective um, community. So I really stand strong in the fact that like, I know who, who I am and where I came from and my roots and not a lot of white people can say that. And that really makes me sad because when you don't have community when you have no sense of like who you are and where you're from like that's a really scary thing spiritually yeah so i would like look into your ancestral roots sorry that was no no <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was fantastic yeah <laughs> i mean i i, I agree with with laura with so much of that and i would I would add to it that uh, when when Laura said that um, that systemic oppression and colonization negatively affects white body people too, it's in the form of patriarchy, right? It's in the form of mm -hmm. and patriarchy is inarguably harmful to everyone, right? And yeah. I, mean, I don't even men. Yes, yes. I mean, and our yeah. and our men are really. I mean, they are falling apart at the seams. I mean, they cannot get it together right now. God bless them. And it's because of the patriarchal system that doesn't allow them to feel and to and to move and to and to respond from that feeling rather than yeah. to be cold. I mean, it's it literally negatively affects everyone. So don't think that you're untouched by this. Like we are all one. Together. Well, look so, at like, actually so. <laughs> and history, all of the people that have started wars, like they're usually white men. Yeah. Like they're maybe like, like I don't know, like Joan of Arc and like random warrior she queens. War. But like, did she? she um, part of the resistance. Was she part of the, okay. Yeah, so no, there are. <laughs> well, I know like Queen Elizabeth, um, like oh, there, yeah. there were women monarchs, but I would say, okay, she's one example, but like the majority. In a patriarchal system. In a patriarchal system, exactly. Yeah. It's Queen really, Amina. Patriarchy is worldwide. Like even, this is kind of just like a little story like about yesterday when I was traveling down here, I'm in Mexico and the patriarchy is like really thick here. Thick. Like. When we, I literally, we got off the plane. I'm with my partner, who's a man, and the we were meeting like a driver, and the driver immediately just goes up to him and talks to him and does it, shakes his hand, and like he was like, "What are you chop? What is she chop liver? Like what's going?" And then we get to the hotel, and then like um the guy was talking about spa services, and he just like turns to me and starts talking about the spa, and it's like. My, oh, my partner loves to go to, he like loves the spa actually more than I do. He's a Venus in Taurus. But like, it's just like, I'm not saying like it's like Mexico or anything. I'm just saying like, it's global. It's just like a mindset. It's like patterning that we as individuals have to break out of. It's, it's like a collective thing, but it's also an individual thing. So it's like, where are you holding that internalized patriarchy and racism within your own life? And, and seeing how you can change that and change certain patterns. I didn't say anything, but like, I just, I just noticed those things and it's like yeah. the nuances. And I'm sure you have those things happen to you every day where, cause you're a woman, you get just treated 
differently. So yeah. yeah. And another call to action answering your first question was we're not going to save the world, but what you can do is like those little interactions, like what you just explained. And like yeah. with me, um, I'm, I don't, I try not to bypass because it's always an opportunity for me to educate and to call in because if I don't explain to um, the white person that I just had an interaction with, then she's not going to know. Cause again, privilege is a veil and she's not going to know the harm that she's causing, whether she takes my advice or not is on her. But that is why as people of color, when, cause we know the oppressor very well and we know whiteness very well, yeah. more yeah. than the white people. So like when we yeah. call them out on it, um, you know, like that's an opportunity for you to, you know, call it out. Yeah. Yeah, and that can that can be challenging sometimes, but I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm like more like no, like this is this is not cool or this is this is causing this or do you feel like it's gotten easier as you've gotten more seasoned in life to call out when things ha like that happen to you? Yes, it depends on the situation, but yes. Um and and the reason it depends on the situation is because within the system of racism systemic racism there are power dynamics right and and mm. and so when you when you hold the position of when you don't hold the position of power uh within a in a um an experience or a relationship it is exponentially more challenging to decide if it's in your best interest for survival to speak up about something. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm a fiery person, even though I'm lots of water everywhere and very Catholic. Uh, I am my mom's daughter and my mom is a, a, a fire. She'll burn it to the ground. Um, and yeah. so I have that from her. My sister's actually the same. We're, we're really all very intense. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so that part of me will definitely not allow an injustice to happen to myself or yeah. anyone around me. Um, and at the same time, I do choose, I choose carefully. Sometimes I pad my words. Sometimes I have to, yeah. you know, meditate on it. Sometimes I have to call Laura. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in that place as well. Yeah. yeah, cause it's like, we've worked, like you've worked in spaces with other people. Laura, you worked in corporate, I've, I've worked in corporate. I mean, we both quit our jobs because of all kinds of, I mean, microaggressions are all part of that, but like, I feel like sometimes it's challenging for people of color to like call stuff out if you're like the power dynamics, maybe yeah. you have a job or like you're afraid with money and things like that. Um, so like, what are some, I guess like, do you have like a quick toolkit? Cause I do have a lot of um, people of color that listen to the podcast. Like, do you have a way that they could go about it or it's, it's kind of like an individual thing? Well, with the specific um, white woman that I was, so I didn't end up airing her episode because it was super problematic. Um, I emailed her and I okay. said, you know, I invite you to come back on so we could have this more authentic conversation and to give you a chance because also there needs to be a little grace period for the other person to like integrate what they've just learned. And I don't believe in cancel culture unless it's like somebody's super problematic. It's, it's, it is like a fine balance and you have to use your intuition of when it's worth it and when it's not. Right. And, and like 
another example was um, with the Joe Rogan stuff on Spotify. I had a mm. lot of people DM me and say, you need to take off your podcast. Like you're all about decolonial work and you're, you're supporting Spotify. And I'm like, but Spotify is our like second most popular streaming service for me yeah. our podcast. And I'm like, and we're two women of color. Like we need all the exposure we can get. So it's like this very fine balance of like how you interact with people. And also, mm -hmm. yeah, like what Brittany was saying, um, it really depends on the situation, but I try to at least like give myself a moment to like gather my thoughts and try yeah. to, you know, coming from a loving place. Yeah. I, I, I love that you said that. I think that that gathering your thoughts is like super important and having a moment to digest because to respond will give you, um, to respond with clarity is much more uh, effective than reacting, mm -hmm. you know, from emotion and emotion is real. But um, I also want to iterate that um, understanding how to communicate in a way that is not harmful. And you can find these videos on YouTube is imperative yeah. because especially as people of color, because though what you're saying is not necessarily and expressing mm -hmm. the harm that you're experiencing is not necessarily harmful or, or it shouldn't be sometimes the way that we express it because of the frustration that comes from um race-based stress and trauma um it's so it's so consuming that the way we communicate is ineffective or the way we can communicate can be ineffective and so understanding how to communicate effectively specifically with with the tools using um you know trauma-informed communication uh non-violent communication that will help us get our points across and be heard even if we're not heard immediately the way that we communicate will echo and yeah. so i think taking time gathering yourself um, i'm definitely a, a person that reacts or has in the past reacted over responding <laughs> right <laughs> And, I'm a Scorpio, honey. So, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, like Laura said, like picking and choosing your battles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like something like yesterday, the, the little things, the patriarchal shit, I just was like, I don't, that's not a battle. And, but if it's something like really, really like you can't get past that, that's something to choose to, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for coming on. So where can everyone find you on the interwebs? <laughs> on the interwebs. So we are on Spotify. Okay. <laughs> we are on Apple under the Worth Podcast. Um, I'm also at my website, BrittanySimone.com. I'm on Instagram at Brittany Simone. I'm on TikTok, but I never use it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Laura. You're just a voyeur. You're just a, I am. she I just that for you. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also on Stitcher for all the Android users. Um, oh, podcast. Um, and I am on I am Laura Chung on Instagram and TikTok. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, ladies. This has been an enlightening conversation. I hope everyone is feeling charged to do the work and check out the work. And I will see all of you later. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for listening to the Black Moon Lilith Rising podcast. 
I invite you to discover LilithAstrology.com and sign up for email to receive my free guide, An Alchemist's Guide to Black Moon Lilith. Until next time.